Everybody, my name is James DeFury, and this is Black Bolt. Okay, I told everyone yesterday that I was going to take the day off, but something happened. When I was a kid, there were two artists that came out that made me kind of schizophrenic of what it was like to be a white urban music artist. One was Vanilla Ice, and the other one was a guy by the name of Snow. Uh, Darren O'Brien, aka Snow. He grew up in the same area that I grew up in, Durham region. I was from Whitby. I think he was from Ajax, Ajax Pickering, something like that. But really, if you lived in like Oshawa, Whitby, Ajax, or Pickering, you're kind of all in the same ecosystem. So, um, I, you know, we all had friends. Uh, if you were in, into hip hop that like knew this guy or that guy, or you went to that guy's house to rhyme, or you went to that DJ or producer to get beats and all that kind of stuff. And you know, there have been a few artists that that have come out of that area that have gone to do great things. One of those artists is Snow. And my guest today was the force behind what made Snow a star. He was the guy that sort of gave Snow credibility because when you have a guy that looks like Snow doing um, basically reggae music, it's going to be a tough road if you don't have someone co-signing you that has some credibility inside that scene. And my guest today was that person. But when Snow blew up, something bad happened. And I don't want to ruin the surprise by, by explaining it myself. So please welcome my guest today. His name is Marvin Prince. Marvin. Hey, what's doing? up? I'm all right, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. So... Okay, I, I want to start from the beginning. A buddy of mine posted a documentary that I'm going to be posting in the uh, chat later on so everyone can take a look at your documentary and sort of see the more um, put-together uh, story about what you went through. But before we get into all that, um, can you tell us, uh, you know, what it was like for you starting, uh, you know, uh, creating music, how you met Darren, a.k.a. Snow, and how your relationship was at the beginning? Well, at first, I started getting records from my uncle from in Brooklyn, New York, mm -hmm. right? When I would go to New York, and he'd give me doo-wop and a lot of soul records. Then my uncle Fabian, my uncle Fabian came and lived with me. That's my dad's younger brother. And what he would do, he would have um, reggae tapes, and I'd be listening to them and all that. And then my mom's brother, my uncle Billy, um, sent some vinyl records up and that's how i started getting into the djing and stuff okay and so did you go to school with uh i'm gonna call him snow instead of darren um right. just so that everyone knows um who i'm talking about but how did your paths cross i met um i met snow back in 1988 at a at a party it was outside of a party and my friend introduced me to him okay and when did you realize that he had some talent and and what was your reaction to the style that he was doing a car was driving by playing a dennis brown song and he started singing to it so Ooh. i asked i asked him on 
you're Jamaican? He said, no. I said, your mother and father Jamaican? He said, no. And then he started singing, and then he was looking at my records that I had because I was going to play at the party. Mm-hmm. So he was imitating Yellow Man and all, all of them. And I told him, I'm a DJ. Come to my house. So the next day he came to my house. Um, There's a magic that sort of happens when you are at this starting point of creating something great. Did you remember feeling that at that time, or at least in hindsight, did you have that vibe that we're, look, we're onto something here. I felt it right away. Mm-hmm. That's why that night I never slept. Really? Yeah. Because I was thinking of a name for him. And that's how I came up with the name snow when he came over in the morning to my house. And does snow, is it really an acronym? Yeah. It stands for superb, notorious, outrageous white boy. Superb. He th- Okay. I saw him on an interview. No, super, super notorious outrageous. Oh, super. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and he, he actually, okay. Well, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you guys start hanging out and you start, you're basically the force behind what gave him the confidence to do this stuff. Well, what I do, he'd come over my house every day and I mm-hmm. would be playing him like um, videotapes that I had with nitty gritty tennis saw. And then I had him keep imitating because he already had imitated them. But yeah. like what Ecomouse had, like Ecomouse live at Aces. So that okay. style he's never heard before. And then we just keep practicing and practicing until he got it right. And then from there, so I left home to go get a recording contract. And who was that recording contract with? Well, at the time, it was nobody. I just decided to just try and get a recording contract. I did not know how. But a lot of doors kept getting closed on me here in Canada. And was it because uh, a white guy was trying to do reggae music? Is that basically the long end of it? Yes. Yes. Not only that, but then when I, w- I was working at the gas station, so I was doing midnight shifts, so I played all my demos with snow. And then certain people would come in, and, and they were, like, from sound crews. And they, and they wanted me to bring him so that they could see it for himself. But when they were shocked, but they couldn't really do anything anything for me. Right. I remember being a white rapper back then, and that was hard enough. How hard right. how hard was it for Snow to be, like, doing the style that he was doing back then? Like, I mean, I know he had talent and everything like that, but there must have been a contingent of people that were like, I don't care how good he is. That guy's not supposed to be doing that kind of music. Was there a lot of that back then? No, it wasn't that. When I used to take him to the basement parties, I, um, I, I would have to go and get the mic for him. Yeah. Because he can't just walk in a Jamaican dance hall and go grab the mic. Because right. a lot of people thought he was either a cop or an immigration officer. <laughs> right? Yeah. So right. I'm just laughing because I think uh, you know, I just I just that visual is funny to me, you know. Like Yeah, well, I'm always the dress preppy. Yeah. So that kind of trough everything. Okay, so how long that? So you met in '88. You're doing your thing. You're practicing mm-hmm. for the right. next year or so. When did you go into the studio, and 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 actually start recording uh, Twelve Inches of Snow? That was back in '92. '92. Um, yeah. Okay. But, so but between, during, go ahead. But but during that time, 1989, he got charged with two attempted murders. Right. So then, can you tell? Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, do you know what happened? Like, you must have known what happened because you're you were his homie back then. Like, I, you know. he just told me that um he didn't do it, but oh. the police the police didn't like him, so they hold him for the stabbing. Okay. But it wasn't him that did it. It was another friend of his that did it. 
Okay, okay. But everybody thinks he's the one that do it. And then he was, and was that when he? So, uh, what is the timeline like for when you recorded? And then he's in jail. It wasn't the first time he saw the video when he was in prison. That was way way later. That was in ninety in nineteen ninety two. Okay. So what happened was in February nineteen ninety, he was on bail for the attempted murder. Right. And and from there, so I took him to a studio, Calibi Studio. Right. Okay. And that's where we did the first recording of Informer on the Stalag rhythm. Right. And then can you go can you then walk me through now the chrono the chronology of from there to MC Shan studio? Okay, well, what had happened was I went, my son's mom lived in New York, right? So Snow had beaten the charge and everything. And I would be shopping the demos around to different producers down in New York that I was running into. And then I finally, I ran into MC Shan at the studio. Uh, It was a guy named Goldfinger, his studio. And I told Shan about Snow and all that. And Shan didn't believe me. So I called Snow and I sent some money up to him, right? So that he could come come down to New York. And then he he stayed with me and then I got in touch with Shan and Shan met us outside on Jamaica Avenue, right in front of Goldfinger Studio. And by the way, I know that look. <laughs> the look, the look uh, that some black dudes give you when they just don't believe before you even spit anything, where they're just right. like this. <laughs> they don't believe that you're gonna be able to do it. Yeah. Especially doing reggae, but yeah, the guys in the studio backed me up though, because okay. um, they were all Jamaicans inside there, and they had already met Snow and everything, and they were like, okay. "No man, listen to him. Him no way my talk say." What? What? Before we get into the dark side of the story, what up until that point, what was he like as a person? Like you were friends, right? Like it's not like you <laughs> yeah, just yeah, tolerated, yeah. right? Yeah, he was all. He was always getting into some kind of mischief. Yeah. You know? and But New York, he didn't get into mischief in New York because the area that we were, he had to keep cool. And was right? he well-liked by Shan and the other guys, like, out of the studio? Like, where did they like him? Oh, yeah. Shan liked him. Shan was shot. The... When I introduced him to Shan, Shan was like, let me hear what you can do. And then Snow asked me, what should I sing? I said, don't color me bad. I want to sex you up. Oh, okay. then, I, then I said, switch it up. Now do Luta Vandras. And then, oh, wow. I said, then I said, Shan, this is what Snow's known for. And I said, Snow, do Informer. And he did Informer. And Shan was shocked. And really? then I said, Shan, you want some more? I said, Snow, do Lady with the Red Dress on. And he did that. Right? Lady with the Red Dress on was a song from my friend Little Reds that used to sing the song. So yeah. Snow loved singing, singing the song too, so. And that is, is that this gentleman here? Yeah, that's Red there. That's, okay. in my, that's in my basement apartment. So that's Snow and that's Red. And, and, and doesn't, didn't you tell me off air when we were talking on the phone today that he wrote some of Informer? Yeah, well? he, wrote, he wrote the last, um, he wrote the fourth verse in Informer that Snow, that Snow um, did. And right. also on the Daddy Yankee remix of Informer, okay. that was Red's verse. Okay. And as far as I understand it, Snow didn't actually write any lyrics, right? No, he and I wrote wrote Informer. Okay, me him and was me him and Reds. Okay, okay. I'm not trying to take right. anything away from. It. I was just trying to trying to understand. Okay, right. Now let's get into w- w- the main reason why you're here. Um, okay. 
before we do that, I'm going to just, I'm going to, I'm going to ask everyone to not leave yet, but I'm going to actually put in the chat for you guys later, just bookmark this. Um, that is the documentary that Marvin Prince has put out detailing the story that we're about to tell you. But this is why I wanted to have you on. A friend of mine that we both know um, posted that documentary onto his Facebook the other day. And he, and I was like, I messaged him immediately. And I was like, dude, what the fuck? What's what that snow story? He's like, you didn't know this? And I'm like, no, I didn't know this. So walk us through now um, where this story takes like a crazy turn. So let, let's maybe start where... Um, the single starts to blow up. Right. Well, he came out um, in January of 1993. And right away, um, we started touring all over the world. Right. So, mm. and then we started doing interviews on MTV, me and him and all, just going all over. Right. And we're doing a lot of promo tours. Whose dime was that on? Um, That was on the record company. Okay, because and it's, that's it's a promo. Motor? It was Motor Jam, but East West Distribution. So it was East West Records that set that all up. Okay, so you're on tour, and there are countless clips of you in and Snow, either in Much Music or MTV. And he's always got his arm around you. He's crediting right. you as like the guy that like basically gave him this shot by encouraging him and developing him. I think that's right. a, that's one of the words that I didn't that that I didn't hear a lot in the documentary, and I could have totally missed it. Right. But remember, artist development was a thing like back yes. in the day. You yes. were de you developed him. Yes, I did. Yeah. Yes, I so did. you're you're on tour and you're doing the thing. At that point, did you have a contract with anybody? No, I didn't. No. I, the at the time, Snow and I didn't have a contract between us, but but I had gotten a contract from the from the record company. It was for Snow and I, and because I do at them times, I did not know no any lawyers. So what I did was, um, his mom took took the contract because he's always in trouble with the law. So mm -hmm. she said that she knows she knew lawyers, and. That was the last time we saw the contract because he went away to jail. And yeah. then, well, so we didn't deal with the contract, um, the recording contract. And then as soon as he came out, we were on tour right away. So they said when the tour slowed down, then we'll deal with the contract and everything. And how old were you at the time when you were on tour? I was um, 21. 20, wow, just yeah. a baby, eh? Like, really? Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that, yeah. that is really young to be going around the world. Um, okay, so then you come back, um, and and give me give me an idea. You know where, where I'm going now, so so kind of take me there. Um, what happened? Um, and it, it, maybe start where he, he rolls up. How long were you back on tour before you saw him roll up to you in his Pathfinder? No, they had stopped. They had banned him from America. Yeah. Right. And so we came home. So now we're the manager is trying to figure out what to do. Right. So mm -hmm. when I came back home, I didn't have no money. So I borrowed $50 from my father to to buy my son um, a pair of sneakers. My son was three years old at the time. So while I'm going to pay less, I have my son on my shoulder and I'm walking and I'm at the stoplight and snow pull up in a part finder. Yeah. And I was like, Darren, where you get this from? He said, oh, his money come true. I said, so where's my money? He said, don't worry, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Right? I said, Darren, something to sound right. right? And then we went back to my parents' house. 
and then him and my dad had it out a bad argument. Really? So, yeah, yeah. My father tell him some bad word from from here. You can tomorrow. swear on this podcast if you want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all good. Yeah. So wait a second. So they came back to your house, and your dad was like, "What the fuck's going on? Where's my where's where, where's Marvin's money?" And right. and Snow was like being disrespectful it's, it's, to your dad. No, no, no. He wasn't being disrespectful. He was just saying it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Right. But my I'm getting dad, cold my, sweats just my, imagining being there, you know? Yeah, but my my parents never took to snow because of his criminal past. Okay. Yeah. Right. And then my dad said, You need to talk to somebody else about it. Do you know anybody? So I called my friend, Lauren. Lauren Davis, um, Clive Davis's daughter. Mm-hmm. Right. And I went down to New York and I showed her a paperwork that um Snow had Snow and the management had given me previously. But because we were on tour, I didn't sign it. And then she said, Prince, the songs that you wrote, everything sounds good all over the place. But at the end of it, if you sign it, you only get $1. That's so fucking crazy. Yeah. Did were, Now, did they give it to you in person and ask you to sign it on the spot? They gave it to Snow and Snow gave it to me. Okay. And then so, me and the ma- then me and the manager, we were talking all over the phone because I was like, "Hold on, I'm the part finder. I'm not going nowhere until we can s- sort this out." And did he? What, what, what did he say? Like, oh, just standard. Is it, he's no, no, no. He was saying. He said, "Just sign it, Marv. Just sign it. Don't worry, man. Just sign it. Everything is good." Okay. All right, and then. From there, so that's when you know you're you're getting you're getting fucked over, basically. No, I knew when I stepped into Lauren's office, and she she read the stuff because she knew my whole history. Yeah, right. And she said, "You're gonna need um somebody bigger on this because they're taking advantage of you." Okay, and th- and then you ended up engaged in a lawsuit, right? Yes. Okay, Th- this is where the story for so it's all it's all right. Just to recap, you're developing this artist. He's your homie, right. and he blows up. And clearly, you were the driving force behind that. You go on tour, this and that, mm-hmm. and then next thing you know, you're being um, pushed aside by, uh, at the very least, the label and the manager. But Snow is obviously not having your back on this stuff. So you end up suing the label or or Snow himself. I ended up suing the management and Snow. Okay. This is where, for me, it gets, like, crazy. So you're mm-hmm. you're in court, and, and the lawsuit is there. And um, take us through a little bit of, 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 of how that court case kind of commenced. Because you told me a bunch of stuff on the phone, and every corner I was just like, Jesus Christ, like, how is this happening? Mm-hmm. So g- give us an idea of what that was like from beginning to end. Well, I came in with a stack of videotape evidence, right? Like from mm-hmm. the MTV, from England and all them, them stuff, right? So when my lawyer went to show the videotapes, the judge says um, he doesn't want to see it. And I saw the jury shaking their head. They were like, why would you not want to? Right? He said he doesn't want to see it. Then my lawyer took out all my plaques, right? And he was showing it to the judge. And the judge says, what are you doing? And... And the same, the same judge said, said, said to my lawyer, put those away, right? So what my lawyer did, I think he caught on to something because I was sitting near the jury. 
So he lined all the plaques up and the jury was just reading it. And then four hours later is when the judge caught on to, to what my lawyer did. And then he told the jury to strike it out to your mind. Yeah. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Explain to the audience what do you mean by plaques? Um, You'd like the behind the like the one behind you over your shoulder yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, for over a million from from United States, Japan, Germany, and those places. Is your name on it? Yeah, my name's on all of them. Yeah, let's see. That's it. Okay, so so the judge doesn't want to see evidence that proves your case. So right, right. away, we're dealing with something pretty crazy. And this right. is what nineteen ninety six. That was nineteen ninety seven. Okay. And then their lawyer said that he has a bombshell. He has something on video yeah. that he wants to show. So I was like, so why is the judge making him show something on video? Right? So it was more of the, me and Snow behind the scenes on the making of Informer and everything. Right? Yeah. So he played the tape. And it told about everything that I did. I was like, how's that the bombshell? It just makes your case. You just made my case. Your Did lawyer you? could have be like, I rest my case, Your Honor. Like, yes. Yeah. Where it's at. Yeah. Um, and then this is a fun, and I have a clip for this. So I just want you to set this up just for a second. What did the mom say when she took the stand? Oh, she she gone like she never knew me. Okay, so so Snow's mom is like, and I'm sorry that I, I the the clip starts a little bit late, but you'll get the I, the full thrust of this. So Snow's mom goes on the stand and is like, I have no idea who Marvin is. Right. And then and then Marvin's like, Oh yeah. Say to me, I'm gonna make your son very rich, and I used to laugh at them. Yeah, yeah. You guys are gonna be real rich. Ha ha. Right. And but it was really Marvin Prince that pushed Darren. You know, there's all there always has to be a in a business. There always has to be a pusher, and he was the pusher. But she doesn't know you. <laughs> I'm no. sorry. I don't mean to laugh. I know this was like a horrible chapter for you. But looking at how farcical right. it is, right? And right. why that woman wasn't charged with perjury, you know, and things like that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So this is, and it gets worse, guys, um, because the, the jury, an all-white jury, by the way, in 1997, um, in an American courtroom, made a decision and came up with a dollar amount. What was right. that dollar amount that they originally came up with? Well, my lawyer was asking for 500,000, mm -hmm. right? I remember, um, who was it? The foreman came and said something to the judge, but I never knew what he was talking about, right? And then they came back and awarded me three times the amount, 1.5 million. Right. Right. Then after when I was outside with the jury, 
the jury told me that they were going to award me $20 million if my, if my, um, if my lawsuit against the management company had stuck, but because yeah. the judge had thrown out the management side of it, right. Right. Okay. They, they gave me what snow had. Right. So, so they award you, um, $1.5 million. $5 million. Yeah. And here is that judgment. Right. Um, it is from, uh, the County clerk of New York. Those right. are all the juries. Right. And there's the 1.5 million. The yes is checkmarked. So mm -hmm. cool. You got a million and a half. You're looking right. good. Then right. what happened? Then the judge said, hold on, Mr. Prince. He has to look into something. Right. And then eight months later, he threw up the case. Okay. I am I am speechless at at and and I shouldn't be. Um, in fact, you were hanging out with Chuck D in, in I think, Toronto. Um, yeah, yeah. Between yeah. the time that they made their decision, the jury, right. and when the judge threw it out. And what yeah. did Chuck D say to you? Chuck D said, Prince, you're not going to get that money. Yeah. You're, you're a black man fighting a white man in America. And so said, so done. I can't. I mean, I'm so, like, it, it made me angry. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I saw your documentary, I was, I was angry because listen, I I've been, I've been hustling for a long time. Yeah. I, I have like, and, and not like the dishonest kind of hustling. I've always had to make my own, right? Like I've always mm -hmm. had to like figure it out on my own. I'm not good at holding jobs, all that kind of stuff. So, and I know what it's like, certainly not at that level, but I know right. what it's like to create something and then have someone come up to me and just bat it out of my hands. Well, and, it also came out in court. He got a merchandising deal for his name. You remember, you I gave him. him I gave him the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even get get to even a drink of water for it. All right. Can we, and he's so sensitive about it now too. Just to let everyone know, um, I did my due diligence. I talked to I talked to my lawyer, and um, I told him the podcast that I was doing, and he's like, "You need to invite Snow on, just as your due diligence." And I did message him for him to come on. I saw that he read the message. And then when I tagged him in the promo, he fucking blocked me. So, Yeah, because the truth has surfaced. That's right. Yeah, He went on Vlad, Vlad TV. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not going to play the clip. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, Vlad, mm -hmm. for, for the Canadian audience that don't know, he's basically... It's a decent hip hop show. I'm not going to shit on the show just because I'm not real a big fan of Vlad, but like you mm -hmm. know, he's got a lot of interesting guests on. Usually, like you know, I, I don't. I think his interviews are sometimes really compelling. He mm -hmm. had Snow on, and Snow was basically telling an entirely different story, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Snow was tarnishing my name. Yeah, he was saying that it was funny that you were jealous and all this kind of stuff that <laughs> you really didn't have much to do with anything. And you and and it's and you know it's 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 not funny because it's so tragic, but it's hysterical in some ways that, you know, who, who's contradicting snow in that Vlad interview? Well, snow is <laughs> from 20 years ago, whatever it is. Yeah. Snow's mom is, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, and, and also, only, Shan, also Shan is too. Also Shan is too. Mm -hmm. Also the courthouse in New York, or at least the jury, mm -hmm. right. All of these people are saying, you know, this person developed this guy. This uh, listen, just so no one gets a no one gets anything twisted. Nobody would know who Snow is if right. it was not for this man that you see on your screen, Marvin right. Prince. 
Right. You know? um, can I ask what that did to you psychologically? You know what? I have a strong belief in the, in the Bible and in God. So I always say, my father, I do not understand you, but I trust you. Well, maybe I'm an atheist, so I'd just be a wreck. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be. A, I'd be like, fuck, who do I look to? You know, but but you didn't. But that's great, though. That's that's a perseverance thing. But, you know, well, the, a, law, a lawyer told me that I knew. He said one of two things I should have he should be doing either coming to my grave because a person going through something like this would kill themselves mm-hmm. or he'd be visiting me in prison for killing snow. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm not going to no prison. I too pretty for prison. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you're, you're quite attractive, Marvin. You want to be in prison. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, the, I mean, you know, um, did he, but it must've impacted your trajectory as a musician or a producer. No, because I kept I kept going, and mm-hmm. I got two more artists record deals after that, and then okay. I, and then I got them signed to Jive Records because now mm-hmm. I knew what to do. Yeah, right. And then from there, I took some of the money and went back to school, learned oh, nice. the ins, learned the ins and outs of the business, and then we just take it from there after that. That and is wonderful. More that, that studio is, work. That that is great that you did that because. Um, you're a lot stronger than me, dude. I would have been hunting that man down until <laughs> to the ends of the earth, shaking him by his ankles like sugar and vanilla ice. I'd be like, you know, trying to get mm-hmm. my money. Um, yeah. But that's a testament to, you know, that's another well, one of those. Well, that, yeah, go ahead. Right here in this room, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard about these guys, the show a posse. They came to my house and they said, we've got your money for you. And I was like, no. But this is while the court case was going on, though. Oh, okay. Right. I was like, no. They said, just cut us in 10%. I was like, no, it's all right. Because really? I had all my evidence. So when the, uh, when the judge threw it out, were you tempted to give him a call? No. 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 That's, you know, I'm, that's not, just, I'm not about that life. So I was just about to say, your, your character, like, I, we don't know each other, right? We, we talked right. on the phone today for the first time. Um, dude, you have a strong character. Like, like I feel proud of you almost because, you know, most people would not be able to summon up the inner strength that you right. seem to have summoned up in order to deal with this situation. Yeah, well, as I say, I have a strong belief in God. So my little brother is a pastor. So, Oh, really? Yeah, he's doing his PhD right now. Well, listen, um, I, oh, yeah. And I, please uh, tell me uh, also, you ran, when was the last time you ran into Snow and what happened there? I ran into him in 2015. And where I, were you guys at? I was um Chip Fu was gonna perform at one of starting for scratch um event. Okay. Right. And the first thing he did, he came up to me, started hugging me and uh, you know, and tell me that I had a dream about you last night. I was like, a dream about me? He said, Yeah, I had a dream about you. I said, Oh, your conscience about it? He said, No, no, I was just falling off the roof and you you grabbed me and you were pulling me up. And I said, I never drop you. And he said, and said, no, 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 stop running joke, man. I said, it couldn't be me because I would have dropped you. And then around the corner came the came his new manager. Mm-hmm. And he said to the manager, this is Prince I was telling you about this morning. And he said, tell Prince what um what I told you this morning. And he said, yeah, he had a dream about you and you were pulling him up off the roof. 
Yeah. So, so you said you would have dropped, but when you say you would have dropped him, that, that kind of runs, I don't know if you mean that because that runs counter to what you just said about God and, and being strength. No, but, I understand. But, right. But as I told you today, I think that dream that he had and, and him telling you was, what do they call that? Um, like, I think it was because of guilt. And what do they, what do they call that when you're in AA? Oh, making amends. I think he told okay. you be, as a very small way of him sort of making amends for the way that he sh- fucked you like that, you know? Well, the next thing he said, let's do a record together. And I said, give him about my 1.5 mil. Yeah, yeah. Give me, let's do a record together. Okay, uh, it'll cost $1.5 million. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. yeah. So, what did he say? He didn't say anything. He just kept looking at me. I said, listen, Darren, I have to go right now. And I left with Chip Full. Yeah. And did you give him a pound or anything, or did you just walk away? No. Um, when he had come up and hugged me, someone took a picture right there. So somebody, I don't know who it was, and that was it. Yeah. That was it. We'll never see each other again. Our friendship and- is like dirt and the stars. Distance. And before that, was the last time you saw him at the courthouse? No. uh, Before the court, I saw him when he brought Ninja Man to my hotel. Okay. Ninja Man, um, bad boy Ninja Man to my hotel in Jamaica. Right? Because he knocked on my door and said, he needs to talk to me. So when I came out of my hotel room, right, um, about 40 guys them come up on the line in the hallway. I was like, what's this there? And then I saw a ninja man come up. Mm. I was like, oh, it's an intimidation. Yeah, try the there. And he was like, no, no, he just brought ninja. And I was like, Desmond, because that's ninja's name. Mm. And he was like, yeah. I said, oh, you see my uncle this morning? He was like, who's your uncle? I said, Desi Roots. Right? And he was like, oh, Desi is your, Desi is your uncle? I said, yeah. And ninja come hug me up and everything. I, <laughs> and I just looked at him like, Jamaica is my country. Yeah, yeah. But that was it. Yeah. What is it like behind the scenes in the hip hop world with the rappers, artists, and producers that you know when it comes to Snow and his reputation? Like, this is common knowledge, isn't it? Behind the scenes? Yeah. But um, the people that I know, they do their own thing. They don't worry about Snow because Snow did fall off a long time. Yeah, yeah. Right? Every album that he came out with flopped. That's right. When he did try to do his own thing. Is he back to doing like a, yeah, like, you know, like uh, the NBA likes to do this. They, they, they'll take like MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice and Young MC and they'll put them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at halftime and they'll do like a right. medley. Is he doing that shit now? Like, I do don't having... know. No, because I, I haven't know. seen him do anything in years. I, I mean, maybe he has. I have no idea. No. But... I do not know anything. All I just know is that um, when he did the Drink Champs and the Vlad TV, my brothers them called me and they were like, no, we have to do something about this, Mark. You mm. need to put something out there. Because I'd walked away from it. Right? And then I put the documentary to- together with this guy named Vivek, right, mm. from Vufa, Vufa Productions. And then we just put it out there. And then it just started catching fire like crazy. Cause last week I did an interview on the Florida radio station. Yeah. And have and you, you, you we, we don't know if he's seen, if he's seen the documentary yet, right? I don't know. Yeah. I what advice think. would you give anybody now that's coming up so they don't get caught in a situation like that? 
it's not a matter of getting caught. It's two things that will happen to you in this business, right? Two mm. things. You're either going to get fucked or you're going to get screwed. <laughs> to me, you take the screwing because you can negotiate how deep. Yeah. <laughs> Don't deadpan me. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. So, you, you, I mean, does that, I mean, what is the, what is the sort of the greater message there? Like stay independent. I mean, nowadays, like labels. I, I prefer, I prefer the independent. Well, labels are almost meaningless nowadays, aren't they? Yeah, but see, I was talking to an artist the other night and I was showing him, get a website and drive traffic to your website and sell your stuff from your website because Spotify and all of them is out of a penny, them giving you a 0. 0.0005 mash mash. I'm like, Mm-mm. not for my hard earned work. Yeah. 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 That's a Louis CK model. That's what he started to do before all the controversy. And he still does it now, mm-hmm. whatever. But um, yeah, he doesn't fuck with Ticketmaster. He doesn't let right. the venue sell it anything. If you want right. to see his special, you go to his website, you buy it, right. you watch it there, and it's like five bucks. Like you don't have to pay all of these extra fees. I, right? I agree with that. I and if as that. soon as I learn what an NFT is, <laughs> mm. I don't know if you know about this, but no, yeah, Web three no. stuff, NFTs. It's like, uh, it's like, um, it's like your original piece of art, and you only right. release like a certain amount of them, mm-hmm. and you flush mm-hmm. it out, and people pay in crypto, but people like artists like MC Hammer's catalog, like he's making millions right now by selling his old catalogs as NFT. Wow, yeah. Wow. So find someone smarter than me. Right. <laughs> right. I had Major One on um, last week, and she was talking to me about this stuff. And, you know, I I, mm. I, I sort of understand it, but not really. But um, you know what I'll do? I'll, when we get off air, I'll link you with the company that she yes. sent to me. Okay. And, and you know, if you have a catalog of unreleased music. Yes, I do. Yeah, that's yeah. the way to do it. Because then they, yeah. do, I think they just take a, like a small piece of what you do. So she made right. like, she told me that she made more in an afternoon than she made the previous like six months mm. selling her shit through all of her social portal portals. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. I believe in the independent. Mm-hmm. That's why when um, people download music and all that, I'm for it. Screw the record label. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have, you have more reason than most to, to yeah. say, screw the record label. <laughs> yeah. well, actually fuck the record label. Don't screw them because then they yeah. can negotiate. Negotiate how deep. deep. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, what's on tap for you? And um, is there anything you want to plug? Um, I put the a documentary inside. I'm going to post it again in case there's people that came late to the party there. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm, there work- I'm working with a with a female Canadian artist. She sings on rap. Her name is Dynasty. Dynasty. Yeah. Um, okay. I'd work a um, few years back with a girl named Belinda Brady. She had the number one song on G98, and oh, nice. she, she did it with Chip Fu from the Fushnikins. But Chip Fu was singing. Right. How's he doing? Chip doing good. I just talked to him today. He's doing good. His new record, his new single is bubbling on Hot 97 right now and on WBLS. The Fushnikins are probably one of the most unique sounds of any urban art or urban group I've ever right. heard in my life. Remember when they right. first came out, Ring the Alarm, I was like, and because I didn't have the ability to slow shit down back then, because I was right. so desperate to figure out what the fuck he was saying, right? You know, but um, that whole sound was crazy. Like, yeah, I mean, well, came... well, they did over tenor saws ring the alarm. You say again? Tenor saw is is on the chorus. Oh, okay. And tenor saw had a song called Ring the Alarm. 
another right. son is dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, just, just but like it just takes me back to that to that time, and I, I mean that from ninety to ninety six, that that hip hop is just like true. I yeah, agree, just I the agree. greatest shit ever. But what's interesting is that a lot of those old older artists, you remember back in the day, like it was like as soon as a rapper turns like thirty eight, he's done. He was mm-hmm. like, you're Patrick Ewing with rusty knees, and now you right. got to take the bench. And right. now it's not like that, is it? Like 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 like. Urban artists now seem to be like they, they get to 40 and a lot of them are still working and they're still like utilizing their craft so they don't get rusty and soft, right? Like, yeah, but a lot of them is touring in Europe though. True. Yeah, the Europe right. loves golden era hip hop. Right. Love it. Right. Where America is more, you should be young, 17 years old, look like this and... And can't rap at all. Can't rap, yeah. <laughs> right. But a lot of them, they're traveling in Europe and those places. Okay. Do you have uh you don't want to say anything to Snow, right? That we can like clip and like send to him? No, what you have to understand, you know. Yeah. Um You're so nice. Fuck, man. No, no, Snow <laughs> Snow Snow died to me years ago. Mm. Right? He's the godfather of my son. But he oh. died when I came off the tour. Yeah. So this person that you say, I don't know him. Yeah. And I don't want to know him. Right, well, so I don't blame you. Yeah, and he's so sensitive. He blocked me. Can we change his name from Snow to Snowflake? Can we do that? <laughs> well, at the end of the video, I put up the name Snow, and it stands for Secret Now Out Worldwide. Yeah. Well, listen, <clears throat> I am. I am. Consider me an ally. I know we just met, but consider yes. me an ally. I cannot stand it when I hear stories like this. I I find it reprehensible i think it's mm-hmm. uh it lacks morals and ethics and the fact that you were homies is just heartbreaking and well, um, how how you think my family felt when um he was at my grandfather's funeral at the reception how long ago was that my grandfather died in 1990 march of 1990 right and then when we were in jamaica he was at my stay at my grandmother's house in jamaica so he was actually in a category of friends or the family you choose. And he was family almost basically. Yeah. 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 That's depressing. Um, yeah. What Remember, as I told you, he's the godfather of my son. Yeah. Well, maybe, uh, maybe you need to do a replacement ceremony. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marvin Prince, thank you so much for joining me, man. Let's keep in touch for sure because I yes, please. Sir. I don't think the story is over, and whatever I can do to help get it out there, I don't even care if I get sued. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just want you. Uh, I want. I, I, you know, I think justice is justice. So I really appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you very much, and I no appreciate problem. you for your support. No problem, buddy. All, All right. right, Marvin Prince, guys, I can't stress this enough. Don't rip off artists, please. Don't do that. That that is awful. And it's interesting because uh, you know a lot of the guys where I grew up knew about this story. I didn't, but a lot, but a ton of people that I know knew. And I'm 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 late to the party on this. In a way, I'm happy about it because I, I don't know if I would have done the show if I if I had known this for years. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those depressing stories. And uh, listen, um, share that documentary if you can. Share this podcast. I never say stuff like this, but smash the like button, share this podcast, whatever, um, you know, if you want to, because uh, I, I think that his story is, is worth telling. And, uh, and I can't believe that um, that somebody who is like family like that would ever do something like this. So 
Um, I want to thank Marvin Prince again for coming onto the show, and we will see you next time on Black Ball. Black Ball. Black 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 It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. I want to live at the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.